Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. All right, you're listening to 101 Part-Time Jobs with me, Giles Bidder. For a large chunk of these older episodes, I've had to cut the original intros as part of a migration process. So all that means is we're going to get straight into the interview here with the name that you clicked on. No warm-ups, no preamble, just a straight one, two and in. You ready? One, two... I'm using the mic that we actually recorded the vocals for our album on. It's kind of this big. No way. Lightsaber looking thing. It's like way too big to be a vocal mic. It's bizarre. Uh, we made it in uh, a studio in France, but like we kind of, we get all our own gear in microphones and stuff like that. We use a lot of producer stuff, but uh, we also managed to get hold of some stuff ourselves. Yeah. Nice. So, yeah. Well, that. That's pretty resourceful of you. Yeah. So this is a podcast about part-time jobs, obviously, and basically the the totally non-linear journey of being an artist, of being in a band. And I'm so excited to speak to you because I knew that you were a dentist. Yeah. And then not even not just that, but a dentist at a prison. Yeah. 
tell tell me all about that. I mean, how did that, how did that start? Well, so like uh, the reason I'm I'm in the band at all was I was in Bristol studying to be a dentist, um, and I met Joe in my second year. I want to say it might have been, no, it's definitely my second year, um, and then we kind of like started the band things things got a bit more serious but obviously dentistry got a bit more serious as well so um yeah. i ended up working in bristol for three years whilst i was in the band then i moved to london because i got married and my wife's job kind of needs her to be here um so i moved over to london and then got a job in this like really crazy um busy nhs practice in fulham uh and basically they kind of whilst i was there they started to work in the uh, in the prison service kind of like you know doing like one or two days a week in each prison or whatever um and i voiced my interest because my wife is a criminal defense solicitor so um it was it was a way of like joining up our kind of worlds together and kind of yeah have have mutual discussions over the dinner table so um so yeah and then like the thing about dentistry is is that it's like uh it's it's whilst it is a very full-on job it's also quite um lenient with things like holiday you know you're self-employed so basically you can kind of uh choose roughly like how often you work and things like that so it was quite a good job to have whenever you were whenever i was part-time with the band um and then obviously now we're like crazy crazy full-time so seeing what you've done over the years the amount of times you've been away playing shows as well as you know the making records the writing records all the times in between that nobody sees all the planning juggling you know work studying marriage moving yeah. i mean that that's 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 kind of insane it, it, it was like i i it, it's so strange it's only now that i don't do that that i could see how like crazy it was and how much of a toll it was taken on me so like to put things into perspective like if we if we were on a uk tour if we were anywhere birmingham south i would work a full day's work go drive to the to the show someone else would do sign check for me i'd arrive like i mean sometimes i'd arrive maybe like 10 minutes before we went on stage i'd play the gig and then immediately get in my car and drive back and then go to work the next day uh, wow. uh yeah so it was like i mean it even <laughs> even hilarious even just the amount of time that you spend alone in a car is kind of crazy as well like it's like going on tour and you're you're the tour manager, tour driver, everything, like you're just doing everything yourself. So yeah, like not now that I don't do it, I'm like, wow. I mean, I, <laughs> if I had focused all that energy into one single thing, I'd probably be like on the front of newspapers now. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, it's bizarre. And I mean, and it requires so much self-motivation as well, because, you know, playing playing music, you're you're, you're a team, right? Yeah. And so when you're taken out of that and you're driving to these shows on your own and you're getting there just for the show and perhaps driving back on your own, that must have been like hard for you as well to, you know, be part of this group thing, but kind of actually kind of be on your own a lot of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it was, um, 
I think it came out of like uh, a love for both the things. Like I, I really enjoyed my job as a dentist. Like I, I really enjoyed the, um, the kind of the, the, the social aspect of it really. Like I enjoyed the kind of interaction with patients and um, especially in the prison service. Like I really enjoyed that. Um, mm. And then obviously like, I mean, I, I, I love being in, in a band. Like, you know, I've kind of, I've chosen to be a musician over being a dentist now. So it's like, um, so I think that that stuff, it was kind of like, you know, I, I was never like, oh my God, I've got to go into work tomorrow or oh, I really wish we weren't playing the show. Like I, I was always like very enthusiastic and excited about each side of things. And in a way, like it kind of helped not falling into unhealthy behaviors that bands generally fall into and in they're like their first tours like you know whenever you start to become you know get like a modicum of success and like things can go to your head and like you've also got access you know so i'd turn up at the dressing room and there'd be booze on the rider but like i'd be like well i've got to get in the car and drive so i'm not drinking and so yeah. that kind of you know that that helps stuff i didn't i didn't have to hang around with people after the show which is like one of my <laughs> schmooze yeah I, I like i am terrible at that like I, you know really? if there's anything that's involving like interacting with people from the music industry or interacting with <laughs> kind of like fans like everyone avoids giving me those tasks not just because i'm I, I i i don't particularly enjoy them but also because like i'm i'm literally the worst person in the world to put in the room doing that which kind is of funny stuff. because if you were you know at, if you saw the lady with jules holland you'd be like that's the guy i want to speak to tonight yeah yeah <laughs> yeah people are often kind of like you can see the kind of vague look of disappointment whenever i'm this kind of like level-headed slightly boring person they're like oh, i thought you were gonna like bite my face off and i was like oh, i mean if you want me to but like it's not yeah so I find that really cool because when you see someone on stage like that, and it's come up a lot on this podcast mm. where, where, you know, being on stage is just this kind of release, you know, it's rock and roll, it's Iggy Pop. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Just yeah. that doesn't mean anything about you off stage. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think like for me, it's more of like an extreme exaggeration of the kind of person I am. So like, um, the, the kind of the, the the playfulness and the you know the everything kind of falling apart and going wrong and not paying attention to what the band are doing and kind of like getting in everyone's faces and in a way kind of being annoying um that's the, like that's a like hyped up exaggerated version of my personality um, right but and and it's kind of like a way of like extreme catharsis yeah do, doing that so again like you know in answer to your previous question like being able to do a show like you're just it's so exhilarating and so like now that we're on like lockdown like i know i didn't realize how important gigs were for my mental health but like it just mm. it's it scratches an itch that i have within me really really well and it like so i feel like completely relieved my brain functions a lot better like i'm I'm a lot more still. I'm a lot more kind of understanding, empathetic with people if I get that opportunity to do the show. And I think it. I think in part it's like the physicality of it, but it's also in part due to the like being able to kind of like be this exaggerated, um, like almost like a homunculus or like caricatured version of myself means that like whatever is kind of like annoying me underneath or whatever's kind of in my subconscious will naturally just kind of come out me getting in my pants like there there's something that that does 
to people where it kind of like annoys all the cool people <laughs> and like yeah. but and then also like you know kind of like people go oh this guy's like what's he doing like why why is he doing that so mm. there, there was something about that that i i kind of uh, i got a buzz out of and also that it would just really annoy joe so i just like every time <laughs> before we get on stage i'd be like right in the pants i go going back to the, the 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 job thing and and having to go to shows on on your own coming back i mean the the band dynamic part of that i mean there must have been some times over the years where you you had to kind of did you know, i don't know take stock of yourself and i mean you were sober right so you could see things for how they were rather than this kind of image of you know party around town in the, in the back of the old post office van yeah so like um yeah, I just uh, it, it it I I really kind of see it as a blessing in those early days because it was like I was able to take stock and kind of just notice things and notice behaviors like of myself and of uh, other people within the band and like that kind of really set off things like understanding each other's space and things like that. Um I mean, I I've missed out on a lot of like Idol's best stories because of it like you know they were like oh my god you should have heard what happened last night and I was like hmm the M5 yeah really sick um <laughs> so you know there there there's kind of like I missed out on some elements of that but uh I think in the long run I'm kind of glad I missed out on 90% of those stories so have you been quite um versed in in the business size of things i mean obviously i got this interview through through your publicist and you you've been with them for you, you were with them for the first album as well yeah. weren't you yeah so i mean that's an example of like a professional relationship that mm. you know i you know sometimes goes goes well for bands other times not so um and being on top of it seems to be the key yeah b- like being a dentist like is a very very professional job like you know you're you're registered there are like um kind of standards that you have to adhere to there's like a gdc general dental council book and it kind of goes through all the kind of like you know what is expected of you kind of behaviors and generally you get a sense of like what a what a dentist should be in their community and things like that and that 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 kind of goes into like professional relationships so i think that like uh that has fed into a lot of stuff in the idols world um but it also like i think i think generally like idols we've always seen ourselves as quite a professional band like we've always dealt with people quite professionally but there's also a huge component of like um there's a kind of person that works with idols and there's a kind of person that doesn't work with idols and like within minutes of like us meeting them we're kind of like mm, yes or oh, this is going to be a bit weird what kind of characteristics are they the yes kind um i think it's just it, it's like open-mindedness and there's this like con- confidence that comes from not adding stuff like we've got like a really strong vision of what idols is like in every aspect of it so like you know joe does all the art design me and him talk a lot about that kind of stuff um how we're kind of presented to the media how we're kind of how we present ourselves in public how we um just everything about us is like considered like that's our Mm. that's our big Mm. thing and like people like piping in with ideas that aren't considered like that's just instantly like it just doesn't work it's like 
it really like it really gets Joe's back up and like it does mine, but I kind of do it and treat things in a slightly more professional way than Joe might maybe. Um, but like, uh, so that's that that's a big point. But it, it's generally just like I know this is such a lame way to describe it, but like chill people, like people that are like just understanding, open minded, and and not like over the top or like not always trying to like kind of defend or de- defend themselves or describe why they're being there and kind of assure you that they have a, like their job as merit and all this kind of stuff. So it's, it, it's, yeah, that's the, that's the kind of person, I guess. Brutalism was in, in 2017 and, and enjoy the year after. And I wonder at what point did you start having these voices, having that, that noise around you? When did that start coming into around idols? Well, I, I, do you know, I think that it's kind of like, um, in a way there's like lots of different variations of it through idols. So like whenever we were in our first kind of like form, which was eight years of complete obscurity, no one getting into us and like no one latching onto the idea. Um, there was a lot of white noise around that. There was kind of like a negative white noise. It was lots of people telling us that like guitar bands are done. You guys are especially not what people are looking for. Like you're never going to work. You're never going to get played on radio. You'll never do this and stuff like that. So that kind of white noise fed in. And then, and then also like friends and, and family being like, okay, go to the real job now type thing. And, and, you know, cause we, we put an insane amount of ours in like, we would rehearse three times a week. Like we, it would be like five hours in the evening on Wednesdays and Thursdays, I think before brutalism. So for eight years we did three and then Sunday we would do all day. And, and, you know, for a lot of people it was like, why are you wasting your time? Like we, we missed out on a lot of kind of social things and friends stuff, but like, it, you know, we, we kind of had a, had a vision there. And then, and then the, the, the and then once the kind of, the success if you want to call it that like you know whenever brutalism kind of took off there was a lot of noise around that there's a lot of like you know people who up until that point were kind of this very dismissive of, of us then trying to have these conversations and with us that were like either blowing smoke up our arse or kind of like um you know offering us things and just kind of mm. like you know mm. this you know i've got an idea for you guys this is how it could be and right. it's kind of useful that that stuff happened because it, it like for like you you mentioned our publicist earlier like those kind of people just instantly kind of come into your view and they become very clear that they're the these earnest um hard-working and, and sincere people and like the music industry has those people but they're kind of there's so much white noise around them that it, it's kind of difficult to, to pick them out but sometimes kind of the white noise at a certain point, I think, I think because we, because we've kind of like, we'd been together as a band so long and we weren't kind of in awe of the music industry at all. And in awe of kind of like, uh, the process or how bands get big or how labels work or anything like that, you know, like our radio works and things like that, because we weren't in awe of that, it, because of all the white noise of crap and like the amount of hours that I've spoken to people, I'm just like, stop talking. You're talking, you're just saying nothing, but (laughs) you, 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 these people kind of show out. So like, and oftentimes they're people that kind of get in touch with you through strange 
mean so like i can't remember how our publicist got in touch but the first time we met him we were like yes he, he's exactly our kind of guy he, he he talks real he's very nice and he's yeah. he's sincere and he and he gets something about us that isn't what other people are talking about like he sees something in us that is something that we're trying to show and and hasn't come out and like our lawyer for example got in touch with us on facebook and he kind of like the first time we met him again he wasn't like hype band or like you know like talking about how great we were or like you know talking about how great we could be he was just like he was interested in the things that we were saying and and what we're and what we were about and he was like and you know he's kind of like this is what i want for the band it's the same thing has happened at every kind of at every kind of level so like even um whenever the label our label partisan got in 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 touch with us like we'd already already released brutalism ourselves and we you know that amount of kind of success that we had off the back of that um we knew that we could release the next album and uh, and using kind of our our understanding as we had of the music industry at that point we could have done as well if not better without a label um but then tim from the label kind of he came over and, and met us and like his first question was like what what do you want from a label like what what do you think a label can can do for you and he listened to what we said and like you know we you know we just asked for like basically expertise beyond our own and under, and and kind of an understanding that we have kind of a very strong identity about what we are within the music industry and what we want to do and we just want you to either help out with that or if if you kind of are noticing things that we're doing that could be done another way that still is very much informed by that identity and like he, he's done that you know again like the the team around idols has been this really like slow build like of, of of people that have just slowly been kind of drawn to us um because of that nature they kind of want to like go outside the the nature of the music industry as it is and um serve a different purpose i guess I mean, it's fascinating because everything that you, you've been talking about just then is, I mean, that's a full-time job and we're not talking about writing or releasing, you know, we're talking about releasing, not talking about writing music there, you know, yeah. like that's, is, that's such a large entity in itself. And I wonder, I mean, have you always kind of maintained the energy and the self-motivation for that, you know, to be, well, Frank, to be smart about it? Yeah, um, I, it's shit sorry i just dropped my phone um just because like we're very interesting and interested people um and i wouldn't be doing this if i didn't like enjoy it to the fullest like mm. uh you know there are other members of the band that, that don't necessarily have that much of an interest in in, in in this kind of stuff but you know they 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 allow for for us to kind of to, to blossom and bloom as it were um but yeah, the the energy has always been there, and I and I guess because I kind of needed so much energy to do the job, uh, to work as a dentist and be in a band at the same time, that now I'm able to kind of put that energy into other facets of of the idols thing. Um, have Have you found that that uh, that level of focus and skill kind of being transferred into the band? Oh, hundred percent. Like it's especially when it comes to things like uh recording and and the production side of the band like i'm i've um i've transferred my kind of interest in my well my ability to so like i, I was a particularly good dentist i think sorry i should say um one because i'm a very <laughs> one because i'm a very empathetic person so like i kind of 
um, understand the reasons why people come to the dentist and kind of like, I'm not this like stern brush your teeth twice a day kind of type guy. Like, you know, it, it, although everyone just to inform everyone, they should brush their teeth twice a day completely. Um, <laughs> but, uh, the, so, but I was also, uh, my ability to be able to like completely focus on a task, like go from having a conversation with some, someone about like, coffee one minute to then like just being completely focused on doing like a root canal and that that works really well in the studio um and also Mm. whenever you're like producing and mixing an album because you go from having these kind of like almost ethereal kind of like very conceptual kind of conversations about like sound and like the, the the songwriting and the intentions of like the, the the band and the musicians in it to then like working how, out how to do that in a kind of like strict scientific technological kind of way using you know lots of different gadgetry lots of different words and kind of like a, a, an understanding of like the science behind sound and the kind of and then how that in how the conceptual can inform that but also how that can then create a better understanding of oh, so once you get a better understanding of that how that informs things conceptually and it, it, it's it's weird like I, I you know a lot of people get worried that if they get bogged down in the in the science of things and the particulars and the kind of like the minutiae and you know like if you learn everything about sound frequencies compressors bandwidth you know mm, using mm. lots of blah produce, producer babble producer babble but a lot of people think that you lose kind of the mystery and the the kind of um the spontaneity and uh i guess the mystery was the right word of of the creative process but actually i find that my creative kind of like awe has been ramped up even more by further understanding it i think they're like because i'm becoming more consciously competent in those things my unconscious competence as a songwriter is like it's running running away with itself grounds for example it that does sound like this spontaneous you know it's this it's this bump do you know what i mean it's a romp it's 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 fucking it, it sounds and I mean this in in no bad way, but you know, you know when you hear about people talking about how they they wrote some of their their biggest bangers in five minutes, it kind of has that feel. Yeah, and so it, that wasn't really the case with it. Uh, no, so uh, yes, it was. Like basically, whenever we start an album, uh, we come up with a title first. So Ultra Mono was the title, and then Joe and I will literally spend. I mean, we spent maybe year and a half of worth of touring just talking about what ultramono meant and joe's kind of thing is talking about what ultramono means from a kind of like a lyrical perspective from a very personal perspective from a very um he kind of understands it on this kind of like is it poetic i, I don't really know how to describe yeah, of it. it yeah, yeah. so, so it, it, it is poetic way and then from having those conversations with him and, and having an understanding of that, it then informs the kind of the sonic process of the album. So that so that feeds into the into the writing and into the the kind of the pre-production and the kind of understanding of how things are going to sound once we lay them down. And one of the big things on on this new album was actually about um, being in the moment and is, uh, i can't remember what joe says on the, the side of it is like the momentary acceptance of the self 
and because of that like actually what we did was we spent all this time like talking about the album and then we wrote it in two weeks like the two weeks before we went into the studio so and that is to keep like you're hearing that song almost as the same time as we're hearing it so for the first time you know so the first time you heard grinds you're hearing us hearing it for the first time because it's never actually come together and you know even to take that further like joe wrote a lot of the lyrics for this album in the vocal booth so he was like listening and wow he'd really? like, yeah he'd write stuff down and kind of go was there not a bit of fear there from the rest of you uh, yeah, but and so, him as no so because that was the entire point the whole point of this album was about like this self-confidence in like just uh, because we've kind of built up this um our abilities as songwriters uh, from production side of things, that knowledge that I'm talking about, that minutiae, like, you know, Joe, Joe has that in kind of his vocal delivery and how he is able to project. It's not like, it's not just this babble. It's like, he's not just doing it because of what he's thinking, but it's like, Joe's able to project stuff instantly. It comes from like a pure place. But yeah. And it, but it's also like this considered core that we have, like uh, we have an understanding amongst each other in the band like of what the the art what the album is going to be and so to keep it as spontaneous as possible we had to do it like that because we wanted it we wanted it to be as self-confident and also to to be this kind of thing where like you say something and you live with it you say something and only but you only say something that really means something to you so you only say something that like you actually kind of like will you will you've predeterminedly kind of decided that you're going to stand by it and then you say it and then you have to live with it there's no second guessing there's no adding caveats there's no like watering it down because um you want to make sure that everyone gets it and understands that there is nuance and all this kind of stuff but actually the album is like you know it says lines like you know like the i raise my pink fist and say black is beautiful like that line can only kind of be said said as this kind of spontaneous thing because if you were kind of going to live with that line for a long time, you might get a bit nervous about saying it, or you might get a little bit like, or yeah, and the line about Catherine, Kathleen Hannah, and, yeah, and those lines, yeah, I mean, also those lines are, yeah, those lines are so ridiculous that like, if you spent any time with them, you'd be like, we can't release that. That's ridiculous. Like, we can't say those things. That's just the stupidest stuff ever. But actually, it's kind of the antidote of of Twitter or Facebook or it's, you know edit editable and you know things that you can add to or take away. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it it's kind of like just being accountable for the things that you 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 say. It's like right. we now have to live with that forever. It's not something that can get washed over, or um, you know, it's not like a tweet where you can delete it or edit, and you can kind of carve how many people see it and who kind of sees it and their experience of it is literally like we we've created this boom it's there forever what did that cause any stir or or worry in in your camp um like with with people you're working with with the label with the pr that's that's a pretty confident and bolshy move i mean it goes with the with the process right i mean that is the process i guess that if we were with any other label and we're telling them about what we were going to do they'd be like, no way. And you know, so like they, they, (laughs) like the the beautiful thing about our relationship with our label is that from an artistic standpoint, they have no input. (laughs) 
Right. And and they understand that. Um, they rather than just like understand it and ignore it, they nurture it. Like, uh, Tim from our bar from our label, sorry, is like, you know, he gets excited about us saying this kind of stuff and kind of goes, whoa, and you know, tries to get his head around it and stuff like that. So that 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 and creates a very kind of nurturing, um, environment for us for us to do that kind of thing. So yeah, it was. I don't. I mean, maybe inwardly they were kind of worried, like, oh, shit, is Joe going to come out with some mad stuff and idols get cancelled? Um, yeah. And I mean, it's it's funny. I mean, I've heard a couple of stories about when um, Dev, you know, how you got the, the Foo Fighters gig. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So basically our manager found out that we were like in the running and there was like 10 bands and every one of those bands was like degrees bigger than us like they were like 10 times bigger than us there was like there was no way we were going to get this the only way we were going to get this is if we like did something to kind of push it so joe is like right we're going to send them a jigsaw puzzle with dev in his pants <laughs> saying pick idols and they're gonna and they're, they're not going to see that it's the jigsaw puzzle they're going to have to put the jigsaw puzzle together and then see it and then and then go from there and we we just we put on the 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 box it was like if you build it they will come and uh excellent and that's and that's how we got it and like (laughs) honestly like that getting that gig is like a a hugely like instrumental point in idols that's where people had gotten the grips of brutalism but there was still a kind of like oh this is kind of a one-off thing or maybe you know this is a small band or whatever and this is where like you know national newspapers and kind of like magazines kind of started to take us seriously the music press and i and i think to an extent kind of that's where we started to become an identity in kind of like contemporary cultural consciousness did that put pressure on you as people i mean uh like with the others with their jobs as well no i don't i don't think not so, so much I, as you n- yeah n- not not so much as me i think that like uh the others like uh, i think everyone's goal has always been that idols is kind of like their main um thing that they do in life and yeah. um i guess i was the only one with like a uh a, a serious full-time job that was like a career you know a career prospects and and aspects to it like that i'm um, not that they didn't but like their attitude towards it i guess wasn't 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 of that um so yeah i don't think i don't think they kind of had it as a, a, a pressure kind of from the the job side of life and and from a financial point of view did, did had things kind of become sustainable at, at that point at the Foo fighters game <laughs> yeah, no no uh, no no so like um be- leaving the band um leaving dentistry sorry and, be- and becoming a full-time band member is probably a, a catastrophic financial decision like you know if someone was looking at your kinds they're like ah what happened <laughs> did they get fired or something um, yeah, that gap on, gap on your cv yeah but i mean i i'm i'm, I'm being facetious like uh, like 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 we're, we're very comfortable as a band like you know we we the the band is is now in a kind of like comfortable financial situation it's not as good as if you own a private practice in harley street in london but like it's uh it's um it's in a good place especially like in lockdown we we've, we've just been so lucky because 
our fan our fans are very like um active mm. so I, you know compared to the other bands at our level we probably don't have as many fans but the ones that we do have are are very active so they're buying the t-shirts they're kind of you know keeping the the idols boat float right um, right and you, you can you can see that when you're walking around town you know you can yeah. spot an idols fan yeah the imagery is strong yeah our our, our goal at being uh the dead kennedys and having a t-shirt printing our own t-shirt printing factory and uh yeah. just being a t-shirt company is is well underway uh, <laughs> was that something that you talked about early on how yeah. how because because obviously brutalism i mean i remember seeing it and not hearing the band yet and being like that is that's strong you mm. know um the the kind of like uh aesthetic or yeah the, or, yeah the, the brutalism aesthetic yeah so the the visual identity of the band is 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 a very has a very strong presence. It 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 also like it informs the the songwriting and informs the recording process and vice versa. So again, in those like preliminary conversations that we have where we're discussing the album title, Joe kind of starts talking about what the album artwork's gonna look like. Um and then that kind of goes into in, informing you know, having having that little like visual note helps you helps kind of like remind you of of what your intentions are you can in the recording studio or even in songwriting you can kind of get lost a bit down a down a hole and and start second guessing yourself and the point of this new album was to not do that um but if you've got like a a kind of totem like something you can literally look at and go ah yes i understand what this album is supposed to sound like from looking at that and it kind of drives informs your decision from there can you see where you're going next with it yeah we know already exactly what we're doing excellent and now now has given you some time to to really actually kind of yeah dig into it. I, you know it's it's weird it's like i, I don't know it, it feels from having conversations with people um about lockdown that like you've got more time but less time like i've never yeah. i've never been busier doing like non- directly playing music idol stuff like you know we're doing podcasts and um like our, the amount of interviews that we're doing on the release of this album is crazy um and then there's just kind of like little kind of side thing like remixes working on production and stuff like that so it's it's slowly slowly we've been able to do it and the other thing is we all don't live in the same place now like i live in london joe lives in cardiff and lee lives in hamburg so it so it's 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 a rare thing that we get together in Bristol. Like we we were only together for the first time last week, uh, but but we've been kind of like doing the Zoom thing, and we tried writing songs over Zoom, and that's terrible for a band that like <laughs> for a band that you know we need to be in a room and and there needs to be that spontaneity, and there also needs to be that like horrible caustic over exaggerated sound. Otherwise, it's just like you just don't get it if you've not got john smashing cymbals and drums you're not gonna right his drum parts are very good so um, when you moved apart from each other that was that was that a worry i mean i guess i was just thinking then as well i someone once told me a few years ago you know you can do something really well right and you can have a success with with something and like many musicians like people in sport especially um once you get to a certain level you kind of have you kind of have to work twice as hard to stay there 
I can I can see completely why that happens with with people, but I think because a it's taken us so long to get to where we are. Like you know, we've been together longer, way longer than the Beatles were together. So it's <laughs> yeah, well, and like yeah. you know, we and we've only we've only had like people taking notice of us in the last three years. Like it's it's three mm. years since Brutalism came out. So yeah. um, I think because of that, there's a kind of like acknowledgement of all the hard work that's gone into it up until that point and there's a huge acknowledgement of the luck that it takes because it's not just if it was down to hard work we would have got it very early like there's there's a there's a massive element of luck that you've got to be grateful for and recognize and recognize that you're in that position and kind of use it to the fullest whenever you get there um and then also just kind of like because at every step there's this like balance with idols there's this real like darkness and light yin and yang thing with idols that is like everything is incredibly considered and then we do things spontaneously so it, it's see. it's always it's always in reference to this like the the that core thing that we were talking about earlier it's always like in reference to this central kind of like vision this understanding of what we are and what we do and then that drives us to to do the more spontaneous things because we understand what we're we are about essentially and and that's a nice sort of showman's trick as well because that to everyone else of course it's going to be new yeah you know they haven't seen the years and years and it's come up on this podcast uh, you know a few times where you'll have bands who didn't get you know didn't really do a lot or get the get noticed of in their first seven or eight years and those seven or eight years were just vital because they learned how to do things the wrong way until until they learn how to do things the right way. Yeah, I think I think with us, it's like we learned how to do things our way, where people get it, like people understand what our way is. So that th- that's what it is. It's like it's not necessarily like a right way or a wrong way. I think it's more just we're just doing things. We we only do things within the band that are like true to us that we we can live with um and so that means that we're you know slowly slowly we've been doing just narrowing it down to just doing those things and that i think that also helps with the the kind of the prospect of having any longevity and understanding of where we are and how it's not difficult to keep things going because we have we just have a a more clear vision of what we are as people and how we're going to convey that. I mean, and then that, that's so healthy. I mean, for me as a fan, that's so nice to hear. Yeah. I mean, you say that, but like, you know, the other thing, the other thing about idols is that that, that we like, we espouse these ideas, but we're very much (laughs) like, a work in progress on those things like it's not like are we all yeah it's not like we're like zen masters and like like you know have no uh never question ourselves but like um i mean like you know within the band like i mean i i have like i'm the worst person to talk about this kind of stuff because i have zero self-esteem issues like i just uh, i never have um moments of doubt uh, which is, you know, is a hindrance whenever you think about things like hubris. Like, you know, I'm, I often think I'm right whenever I'm not. Um, but like the other members of the band, you know, don't, and they, and they deal with that. And, and whenever you do things like come up to an album release, you know, Joe starts getting asked questions that he feels uncomfortable with and he starts, you know, and, and that he, 
he has to kind of check himself. But w- the thing is, is that we're getting so much better at checking ourselves, so much better at like understanding what we are and kind of like when we're going, when things are going wrong or we're, we're not getting ourselves or like um, not getting each other is the, 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 the big part. We're much more able to step back, acknowledge it, and kind of move forward like the the half-life of our arguments the half-life of our fears the half-life of our anxieties has significantly reduced as we've gone along um and i think that's just about putting trying to put all the things that we say and do into practice doing it until you are it you know i Mm. i i I don't want to say fake it till you make it because you know you make who you are that's your reality but I mean, acting, act, acting like who you want to be. Uh, yeah, I think I, it, it is like, uh, it is actually practice. It's practicing who you want to be. Like you, you often get sidetracked. You often fall into um, behavioral traps that um, are learned or, you know, you kind of see other people do it. So you do it and things like that. You often find those things, but it, it's just about practicing who you really are those trappings i think you i think that's exactly yeah and exactly it's, it's 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 also yeah it's also about um forgiving yourself whenever you do fall into that stuff that that that's 100%. another thing it's like it's whenever you're like um whenever you do fuck up or whenever you do kind of like find yourself you know in, in in being being the person that you really are trying not to be like the worst thing that you can do is admonish yourself and focus on the fact that you did that and that that's gonna that's gonna prolong it everyone does it everyone does it you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to go oh my god i'm such a dick oh i'm not a dick now that's fine like so everybody does it but it's just about trying to be kinder to yourself so many times i've ruined my own nights with my own little you know everyone has it those little ocd traits and that fucks you up for the next few hours and forgiving yourself for that because it's not real (laughs) yeah is a is a real it's a life changer My, my my favorite thing to say is nothing objectively exists that's like that is my my mantra for life it's actually it's a really weird story i was at um glastonbury and the dalai lama was like being interviewed by alan yentob at the stone circle at <laughs> at nine o'clock in the morning on sunday which is like the uh, it might have actually it was saturday um and it, it no it was sunday it was sunday um and like i was like had the the worst hangover like a, i don't know if you've ever been to glastonbury but like a glastonbury hangover not yet a glastonbury hangover because it's so hot outside it is it is a thing to behold it really is it's a new level of like anxiety fear depression and feeling sick and farmyard smells and there's people still drinking and there's all sorts of stuff but um i i was just having like you know your typical like existential dread that you have uh whenever you're hungover and i was standing in a field and the dalai lama just uttered the words nothing objectively exists and and my hangover was instantly cured and like it and it, but it is also like it is it is like improved my life like so much like understanding that like that like how someone but it's just like things like how what someone thinks about you doesn't exist what you think about yourself doesn't exist you're it's purely a subjective thing and it it doesn't ultimately matter <laughs> What a profound eavesdrop. 
Yeah, I, well, I mean, it was it was over. It, they weren't like Alan Yatov and the Dalai Lama weren't sitting like in the corner. Yeah, no, they had microphones. They were on like a, a makeshift stage, but it was just it was such a ridiculous thing because like that time in the morning at the Stone Circle as well. Like, there's a lot of people who have been burning the candle at both ends. Let's say <laughs> we're all just like, what the hell is this? Amazing, amazing! Thank you so much, Bowen, for for coming on here. Like, it means a lot because I'm not a big name. This isn't a big podcast, so it's you know, thank you for coming on here and uh, chatting no, to me. Thank you for having me. It, 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 I, it's a really good idea for a podcast, and it's a really good. It's been really nice to talk about stuff that that we don't normally talk about, and like, cool. I, like I really enjoy. Um, both Joe and I actually we really enjoy interviews because it's kind of like a, a form of therapy like you get to be self-reflective you get to talk about like stuff before but um I've never actually talked that much about the dentistry side of things before so it's kind of it's kind of nice to have that little moment especially now that I'm like I haven't touched the tooth in two years this month since the day that joy as an act of resistance was released was the last day wow the day of release yeah. um I, but i haven't had a chance to like talk it through and kind of like remember it and get a bit nostalgic for it so it, it was nice thank you awesome i mean are you gonna go back to it uh, I've, I've i've remained um registered and uh i keep up with my cpd um i was actually gonna go back and lock down my I offered my services to my old boss and said uh, if he needed anyone to kind of go in and he was angling for me to go um, back to the prisons um, to cover someone for holiday. But um, I'm looking after my daughter full time while my wife's at work. So uh, I couldn't. But honestly, if if we have a lull in touring or take a year or two years out, I, I'm immediately back to the, the prisons because uh, I really loved it. I know I'm keep on carrying on, but I mean, the prison system, did you, what problems did you see there? I mean, I don't want to make you say anything that. Um, well, I think one of the, one of the biggest things that I got from working there was that you see the, the people in prisons are people that have been completely let down by society. And you can see that by looking in their mouths. Like when you look at a prisoner's mouth, you can see that our health, system around um preventative care for people um is isn't working that um public health and people's understanding of how to look after themselves isn't working that um social welfare and how we're and, and how people are left behind isn't isn't working and you see it in, the, in its most extreme form which really drives it home um so I think that working in the prison service really kind of distilled my understanding um, of myself as a socialist and what I want to further with people in my life and by kind of like destroying inequality and the patriarchy and uh, the hegemony that exists uh, in this country and um work for a, a really work for a better future like it's it's distilled in, in 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 seeing seeing and treating those people and being able to offer them something and to to understand that there's there's a way around it it's just gonna take a lot of work and a lot of understanding and yeah I don't, I don't think there's enough understanding at the minute right and i think unfortunately not a lot of jobs show you that side no no, you, you you can be very kind of, um, 
again, that's another great thing about dentistry um, is that if you work in an NHS practice, you're going to see people from all walks of life, from all kind of like, I mean, I worked at a, one in Fulham, so um, we were next to one of the largest council states in Europe. So there mm. was lots of people from all over the world. There was lots of people from, you know, the range of society. You know, you were treating the, the poorest people. You were also treating like hedge fund bankers and millionaires and uh, and stuff like that and and you can really see get a sense of society and you get a sense of the inequality and the differences that there are but you also ultimately get a sense of how similar everyone is like you know someone who's scared of going to the dentist is you know they're the same whether they're you know they're 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 vulnerable you know and also like people are in pain like that that's you know you can have whatever kind of car and are wearing whatever kind of fancy suit and shirt that you like but if you're in dental pain you're 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 on an equal pegging with you know the person in society so i think it it was it really helps see the world and see the bigger picture and, and understand humanity a lot better so it was um it, it it helped keep me grounded and helped me understand what drives me as a person great to hear yeah well thank you so much bowen and looking forward to just you know keeping up the journey with with you lot it's been yeah. great to watch yeah it, it's it's been fun believe me being on, on the ride all right speak soon then okay dude speak soon go back to the doll queue please don't tell p from the pub because he'll judge me but i don't mind I've been paying my taxes on time I'm not central, not essential I've never worked for the NHS Yeah, I've clapped hands and I beat pants Put away the kitchen utensils now Don't let your P45 give you chills Because we need jobs 